0: Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at CelebrationChurchLive.com. Well, we uh, are going to end the second week of the six-week series we've just called Alternate Ending because the truth is, is that the resurrection is the greatest alternate ending Ever. Ever. Talk about plot twist. Man, this showed up. It was absolutely amazing. Everybody thought Jesus was dead. He was done for. Man, the the disciples scattered. The the religious leaders pounded their chest and thought they had won. The the Romans thought, wow, that was a a narrowly averted insurrection. And then Jesus changed everything. And he ran out of that grave like we we sang earlier today. And so if you've got your... Your U version app open, you got your paper bulletin. Then we've been looking at this concept that the resurrection is the greatest alternate ending ever and reminds us that God still alters endings. He still does it. That's why Jesus did all of the miracles, just to show that God still alters endings. And we talked about a bunch of those last week, but every miracle was an alternate ending. Every moment when Jesus showed up and all of a sudden things, everybody thought things were going to go one way. And then Jesus is on the scene and now all bets are off. It can go all sorts of different directions. And, and it was always, always, always in the direction of life. And so I want us to look at a launching point this morning on at First 1 Peter 1, 1.3. It says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us A new birth into a living hope through the resurrection resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That we've been given new birth into a living hope. Into something that's alive, into something that's dynamic, into something that makes a difference. Through the resurrection, through the resurrection of Jesus, we now have this active, living, dynamic hope in our lives. And it makes a difference in our daily lives. That we get up and go, you know what? God can work and move and change things right here, right now. That God is a God of alternate endings. And just because it looks like things are going to go one way, it, it, mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to have to go that way. That God can change things. And one of the things I want us to look at today, and we're going to be, we're gonna be <coughs> getting into in a deeper way, is when we are faced with dealing with the broken and messed up parts of life. So many times that's where we have the greatest frustration, the greatest pain, the greatest place of despair. Is when we're having to deal with, with the broken stuff. With the stuff that's just messed up. The stuff we don't like. The stuff we don't want to talk about and we just wish wasn't there. But I'm here to tell you God can bring an alternate ending. Yeah years ago, I'm not as good at it now, but I used to journal on a regular basis. And so, and guys, it's a journal, it's not a diary. It's a journal. And so, and I would and I would just write. And so, and I and I made a I set a goal for myself for for a while that I would write every day. And some of my journal entries are pretty sad. I mean, you'd sit there and read them and I'd be just about fall asleep and reach over and grab the journal off the nightstand and say, well, I'm writing to meet my goal of writing every day. And so I don't know that that really counts, but I did it. and so. But most of the time there were these entries. And anyways, as I was going back through them recently, um, I ran across a journal entry that I had, I had forgotten. And uh, when Weston, um, who's now at Bible school, um, turns 19 this week, um, was uh, a little four-year-old. Then we were doing some, some yard work, and when it was yard work time, everybody had to pitch in and to help out. And there had been a, a storm, had the tree limbs break, and everything's busted and broken up. And, and we ha- were having to gather all the little limbs and get all the little ones. Well, he's a little guy. He's not having to, to get the big ones, but there was a lot of little broken limbs, a lot of little broken stuff all around the yard. And it's like, okay, Weston, we, we, I need you. To, you're gonna, your job is to go get the little broken limbs. And you're going to go take them and you're going to stick them right here by, at the alley. And so and he looks at the yard and he looks at the broken limbs. And he's like, all of them? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, all of them. So I'm out there doing my part, dealing with the bigger stuff and all that. And, and I see Weston and he's not picking anything up. And he's not working, he's not doing anything. And, and I go over to, to get on to him. And I walk over to him, and he's got his little head bowed and his little eyes closed. And as I'm walking up, and I'm like, what is this boy doing? And then he sits there, and he has his head down, and he's sitting there, and I can tell his little lips are just barely moving. The little boy's praying, he's praying over these limbs. And I'm like, is he wanting them to like, the, you know, the Elijah deal where let, let there be life into these limbs. Let them grow again and I don't have to pick them up, for Like, what on earth is happening with this little boy? And so I just go up to him and say, Weston, what's, what are you doing? He's like, Daddy, I'm praying. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I kind of thought that's what was going on. What, 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 are you, what are you praying about with these limbs? And he's like, I was praying that God would help me. To want to pick these limbs up. (laughs) I was like, praise God. There you go, boy. And so, you know, and and the truth is, is sometimes when we look at just the broken stuff we've got to deal with, that it's just overwhelming. It's just overwhelming. And we look at it and we don't even know where to start. And honestly, the little four-year-old Weston had a pretty good idea where to start. And just begin to go to God and say, God, help me to want to deal with this. Because I don't want to deal with it. Lord, help me to just want to. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to mess with them. I don't want to pick them up. I don't want to deal with the different things. And so many times our lives just become shut down. They just become completely locked down because of the broken stuff in our lives. How many checkbooks go unbalanced? Because you're afraid of what you're going to find when you finally do all the addition and subtraction and subtraction and subtraction and subtraction. And And so you just don't deal with it. How many conversations and relationships just don't have the conversation? It just never happens because there's so much brokenness and we don't know where to begin. And so we just stick our head in the sand or we just cut the relationship off. And it's just like, man, there are so many broken limbs. I think Weston would have rather moved houses that day <laughs> than pick up those broken limbs. This, this, this house is just messed up. We just got to find a new house, Dad. And so and so many times in, with us, we, we want to do that with our own lives. We look at some of the brokenness and we look at some of the stuff and we're just like, no, nah, forget it. Put it for sale sign. We're done. This relationship, I just. I'm done with this relationship. This issue over here, I'm done. This dream, I'm just done with it. Amen. And, and there are so many times God wants to bring life into this area of brokenness. Whenever we need to understand that in Christ, God has given us everything we need. I was so thankful as a dad that, I, that as, as I asked my son to do something difficult, that, that he knew he could go to God and ask at least... For the desire to want to do it. That, that God will give us everything we need. And we have to recognize he's for us. And we spend a lot of time at Celebration Church talking about that God loves us and is for us. And is active in our lives and wants to be an active part. And you have to have that down deep in your soul and understand that he's got, God has given us everything we need. And our response to him is to give him all that we are. Even the broken parts. Even the broken stuff. He wants the whole thing. He wants all of you. And so many times we can look at our lives and say, God, I, can, I think you can do something with this. And we want to give him our talents. And that's great. He gave those to you. And you ought to put those back in his hands. We want to give him our strength. And he, he gave you some strength. And he's worked on you. And helped you to develop you. And he's at work in your life. And you ought to give him your strength. But guess what? God also... Wants to deal and and show show His strength in the place of your brokenness. In the place of things that you would just rather shelve it and ignore it. Or say, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to think about this anymore. That God wants to go there. Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to those whose hearts have been broken. He saves those whose spirits have been crushed. Folks, I tell you, our culture, this is something that is absolutely rampant. Broken and crushed spirits are everywhere. Everywhere. I'm not anti and against doctors and medications and whatnot, but I tell you, the pharmacy industry is making massive, massive money. Massive money. On just helping people get through the day with their depression, their anxiety, and their place of being crushed. That they can't deal with it and they can't be able to move on. And so they desperately want something to give them some respite. And, and, and being, dealing with that, uh, folks, depression is crushing. It is crushing. If you've never dealt with a depression, praise God for that. Because it is the most debilitating thing ever. And then it's frustrating because you see that you're a capable person. And you ought to be able to be out there and doing and living life. But this crushed spirit just absolutely overshadows everything. But I'm here to tell you that in God, God can begin to bring life. And the reason we have those places of depression, the reason we have those places of crushed spirit, is because there's something that's meaningful to us, something that should have life. And we don't see the life. And we don't see the hope. And all of a sudden, this weight of depression begins to come in and and to wait. And you need to know that in those moments, in those moments, sometimes it feels like God is so far away. But His Word promises you. He promises that He's close to you. He's close to those who (coughs) who are crushed in spirit. He's close to those who have broken hearts. Proverbs 18, 18, 14 says the, the human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear it? Who can bear it? It's easier to snap your femur and get over that than to get over a broken and crushed spirit. There are people who things have happened to them and it's 25, 30 years later, and it's like it happened yesterday. It's like it happened yesterday. I've had multiple, multiple counseling appointments with people who have the weight of something that happened decades ago weighing on them as fresh as if it happened yesterday. People try to tell you time heals all wounds, and it doesn't. I tell you what heals all wounds, it's the love of God heals all wounds. It's the love of God. But if you don't know that He loves you and is for you, you won't invite Him into those places. If you're embarrassed of them and ashamed of them, you won't just lay them on the table and let God work in those places. See, we get depressed because we don't see that there can be an alternate ending. We think this is the way it is and this is the way it's going to be and I've just got to deal with it and we don't see that God can alter the ending. That He can be at work. To have a broken spirit means that life and loss have have beat you down and you begin to lose hope. Now, folks, we need to establish scripturally that a broken spirit's a bad thing. Because there's one passage of scripture that has been mistranslated and has got some bad thinking into the body of Christ. And so, but we're going to look and just let the Word of God establish that a broken spirit's a bad thing. Proverbs. it says, A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. That's a bad thing. Job 17.1, My spirit is broken. My days are cut short. The grave awaits for me. These things, are, these things are, are not good. But we get to Psalm 51. We get to Psalm 51, and then all of a sudden it's been mistranslated run away. And all of a sudden we think that God wants us to have this broken spirit. That somehow this broken spirit is this beautiful, wonderful thing. And it's not. We see over and over again that that's part of why Jesus was anointed, was to heal the brokenhearted and to bring some binding up there. But Psalm fifty-one, one, gives a little backstory to the psalm. It says, "A psalm of David. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, Nathan, the prophet, confronted David and told, called him out on the fact that he had committed adultery. David's heart was 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 upset, was broken." And he was repentive in that. And so as with the Psalm of David begins, is this is how he writes. As he's been confronted and he's dealing with his own shortcoming and his own failure in his place of, of adultery and lying and all that got wrapped up in all of that, murder included. Psalm 5117. This is how we're used to hearing this. Psalm 51 17 says, My sacrifice, O God. Is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God? You will not despise. And we see this thing of a, that my sacrifice. This is what a, this is what I've done for you, God. Is this broken spirit, this broken and contrite heart, that God you 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 won't you won't despise this thing, and that somehow that that God wants us to have this this be at this place of brokenness, and then that's then when when He wants us. That's when He wants us best but the, the truth is is that that word contrite that word contrite is it, <coughs> that a hebrew word dakah is in the old testament multiple times the only place anybody translates it contrite is here it means crushed david is saying god I, all i'm my sacrifice this is what i can bring to you a pile of junk This is what I can bring to you. I don't have anything pretty, God. I don't have anything awesome, God. I'm a total wreck, messed up. You want it, God? That's what I get to lay on the table before you. A total, broken, crushed person. And I believe you won't despise it. What an amazing statement of faith. He didn't have Jesus that had gone before preaching and showing that God would reach out and would touch the leper when everyone else would run away. He didn't see Jesus tell the woman caught in adultery that said, you know, guess what? Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He didn't go. He didn't see Jesus go to Zacchaeus' house when nobody else wanted anything to do with Zacchaeus because he would stole money and was a tax collector and oppressor of his own kindred. He didn't see all that. He is believing the heart of God that you know what? I am messed up and your man, your prophet, called me out. And I'm broken and I'm messed up and this is all I am. And God, I give it to you and I'm believing you won't hate it. I'm believing you won't hate me in the middle of this. I'm believing you're still for me. That word that gets translated contrite. Contrite's a good word. It's repentance and it's sorry. Sorry. And there's a place for that. But hear what David is saying is I'm just flat crushed. And every other time the word dakah shows up, it's, just, it's translated crushed. And I'm crushed under this deal. I am crushed. And so many times we have this thing of that, that, that we just need to be this broken thing. And God didn't come to, to make us broken. God came to fix us and make us whole. But if somehow we've got this weird messed up thing that we got to get broken to come to God. No, He'll take us in our brokenness. He will love us in our brokenness. But He's not trying to break us so that He can mend us. Life breaks us. We break us. We break one another. God heals us. And He brings wholeness and restoration in our lives. That's what God does. Even Google. The word contrite, and it gives the definition feeling or expressing remorse or, or penance. And then when it's used in a sentence, it uses this. I, I think it's great that the Bible is, is found in Google's definition, but it says a broken and contrite heart. That's it's using it in a sentence. And it's so become consistent with this that somehow this place of, of, of brokenness And having a a broken and crushed spirit is somehow this holy thing. And God's called us to, we see through the scriptures, that he's called to give us joy. There's not a place that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, and a broken spirit. No. He's come to, to, to heal us and to bring restoration in our lives. Isaiah 61 Verse 1 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. And this is what Jesus quotes when he begins his ministry. He grabs that scroll, opens it to Isaiah and reads this. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and the release of darkness for the prisoners. That's what he's come to do. That's why the spirit of the Lord is on him. It's to bring some healing, to put us back together in the right way. We get broken because we try to do life in the wrong way. You ever try to nail a nail in with something that wasn't a nail? I mean, wasn't a hammer? Things get broken. We got stuck on the side of the road on a spring camping trip, um, going to Inks Lake, and we had a blowout on the boat, and we didn't have a jack. So, you know, you got to improvise. So somehow, you know, a piece of cast iron iron skillet, it looks pretty strong, right? And so uh, my dad tried to use the cast iron skillet as a jack. Well, we ended up with a flat tire and a broken pan. (laughs) Because that cast iron snapped under the weight of that boat. And so, and things get broken when you try to use things in the wrong way. But God comes in and shows us how to live life and live life right and live life in a place of health. It begins to change everything. What David knew is that God wouldn't kick you while you're down. That was that declaration of Psalm 51. God, I am broken and I am crushed and you won't despise me. When you are dealing in this place of, of a broken heart, of a broken spirit, of depression and all that, you can go to God and He doesn't kick you when you're down. He doesn't. He's there to lift you up and to build you up. It changes everything. See, if we'll trust God as He leads us, then we can see our hopeless defeats turn into major wins. I want us to look at the life of Gideon right quick. And Gideon, you find his story in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. And this is a time period in the nation of Israel. Where they were a nation and they had come into the promised land. And there wasn't a king and there wasn't any of these different things. And just different people. God would raise different people up to to bring some leadership to the people of Israel. And we catch in this story... And the nation of Israel turned away from God and they had chased the gods of their neighbors and they tried to do life in a broken way, and, and it ended up a mess. And all of a sudden their neighbors are ruling over them instead of them being it, following God and letting God rule. and they, they it, it just created all sorts of chaos. And then now the people of Israel are actually hiding in different places and just trying to eke out a living. And we catch up here in verse 11. It says, And then the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, it's not Oprah, Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Because if they saw that he was threshing this wheat, they would just come and take it. It was his wheat. He grew it, but they would come and take it. Now, if you're not familiar with threshing wheat, I know you probably threshed some wheat yesterday. But for the, everybody else who did, and we'll explain this. And so, with threshing wheat, is you have the wheat and you have the with the the kernel that you make your 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 bread out of. It's in the middle, and then it has these husks around it that you don't want. And so, the way they would thresh wheat is you would have it in this in this like basket thing and then they would shake it up real good and then they would chunk it up in the air and the husks were lighter and let the wind blow the husk away and the heavier kernel would fall back down and then they would thresh it out. They'd sit there and lift it up and getting all that stuff out. Well he's threshing wheat down in a wine press. Um, have you been down in a hole? This is where everything they would dig these things down a hole so they could squish the grapes and everything would go down. Um, uh, this is not its not real windy down in a hole. And so the stuff he would throw up, he's just suffocating on. He's got all the little stuff floating in the air and all the little floaties of the, the, the wheat flying around. And he's just, he's doing it the hardest way imaginable. But he's having to do it from a place of hiding. Because if he does this out in the open where it should be done, where the wind can do its job, then they're going to come take his wheat and his family is not going to live. So here he is, he's, he's just he's hiding and he's down in this little hole and he's just sitting there trying to thresh the wheat and he's hoping nobody sees him threshing the wheat and come to steal his stuff and he's scared out of his mind and he's trying to do the best he can for his family and the angel shows up in that moment. And the angel appeared to Gideon and he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Um, He doesn't look mighty. He doesn't look like a warrior. He's not out there, you know, with the good, uh, you know, Fabio hair and standing up there in the wind with his hand on his sword saying, let's get this done. He is cowering down in a wine press, threshing this wheat, (coughs) choking, excuse me, (coughs) I've got some husks in my mouth. Um, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? He's talking to an angel. I would have been like, oh, oh, my goodness, it's an angel. He was so frustrated and so upset that the he, all this pent-up frustration with God was the first thing out. And it was okay. It was okay. If the Lord's with us, why is all this going on? All of a sudden, the angels speak in some life. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Remember, the Lord is with those who have been crushed. So many times when we're crushed, we are a response. Is the same thing as Gideon. If you were with us, why did this happen? Why am I dealing with this? If you're really with me, why, why why am I dealing with this? Why is this going on? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonders that our ancient ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. We've heard the stories. Oh, God did some awesome things. But where is he now? Where is he now? And you know what? The angel didn't go, oh my goodness. Wrong wine press. (laughs) Whoops. I thought I was talking to a man of faith. Um, Better go find a different Gideon and a different wine press. Because you're obviously not full of faith. No, he's just dealing with the stuff and getting it out. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. I've heard of a God who does stuff, but I'm not seeing anything. And he's just getting it out and laying it out out there. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Midian's hands. Go on the strength you have. Go and do it. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my lord. Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. How are you going to do anything for me? My clan is weak, and I'm the least of a weak clan. There's a, there's there's a, some weaklings. And then, I'm the weakling of the weaklings. Lord, how are you going to do anything through me? He says, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? You read on to the rest of the story, and Gideon has his inner exchange with God, and finally begins to rally some different people up, and he's got a couple of 10,000 people, 20 plus thousand men ready to charge, and... Gideon's like yes we got we can get this going the angel says you've got too many he says any of you who are scared go back and they're like peace and a whole bunch of them leave Woo, so glad you said that I'm scared this is bad I'm out of here and then it was still too many and he tells them take them to the river and watch how they drink And he watched how they would drink and and see those who would sit there and keep their eyes up and watching and Bring the water up and drink it like that. Those are the ones I want you to keep. And there's only 300 of them that did it that way. So it's Gideon and 300. He's the original 300. Battle of uh, Leonidas and Thermopylae came later. And then when we get down to Judges chapter 8. We see that thus Midian was subdued before the Israelites and did not raise its head again during Gideon's lifetime, and the land had peace for 40 years. See, God had an alternate ending, not only for Gideon, not only for Gideon's family, but for an entire nation. And he spoke to him in his place of fear and depression and brokenness. Folks, I'm here to tell you, we're never going to live out our alternate endings. We're never going to let the power of God show up in our lives. If we don't believe that even in the ugliest place of our lives, God can still move. We will take our lives and we will segment it out. And we'll say, okay, this is potential miracle. This is maybe. And this is hopeless. And God wants the whole package. Because guess what? What you think is worthless, God can do amazing, amazing stuff through your life. (laughs) Things you thought were dead and gone, God can bring life. Psalm 30, verse 11 It says, you turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. That my heart may sing to you and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give you thanks forever. See, folks, grace is not just unmerited favor. We're so thankful for God's unmerited favor in our lives. But grace is also God's enabling power. See, God's grace allows us to live in a life that we couldn't live on our own. The grace of God works in our lives and allows us to step into things we couldn't step into on our own. It's not just the grace of God that that (coughs) dealt with the sin and the shame and set us free from that. He then, the grace of God, continues in our lives. Grace isn't something we're just thankful for, for having dealt with our past. Grace is what carries us into our future. Grace is what's actively at work in our lives. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, that's why the angel said, Am I not sending you? I'm the one at work here. Trust me. And then Isaiah 41:10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you with my righteous or strong right hand. Bottom line is embrace the grace and let God turn your mess into a beautiful alternate ending. God wants to do that in our lives. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.